Hey everyone, Christy McClellan here, and I want to invite you to a brand new event from Lifeway Women called Feast. At this event, you'll be invited to feast on God's Word by studying the Bible in its historical, cultural context. We're going to get to know the Bible in its world, in its native habitat, text, and context. You'll experience teaching, worship led by my 25-year friend, Laura Cooksey, and fellowship with other women around the world. Come and learn with me that the living God is better than we ever knew. Visit LifeWay.com slash Feast to learn more. This is the Mark Podcast from LifeWay Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. When You Pray is a seven-session Bible study from Bible teachers Kelly Minter, Jackie Hill-Perry, Jen Wilkin, Jennifer Rothschild, Jada Edwards, and Christy McClellan. Each week, you'll study prayers in the Bible that will inspire your own, learning that God welcomes all you have to say to Him, your praise, lament, thanksgiving, and intercession. Whether you choose to study When You Pray on your own or with a group, explore the When You Pray journal, tote, and experience box to enhance your experience. Learn more at lifeway.com slash when you pray. Welcome to the Mark Podcast. I am Elizabeth Heineman, and I'm here with my co-host, Kelly King. Hey, Kelly. Hey, Elizabeth. It's good to be back. And this is our third and final episode of a really special series that we've been doing, really connected to our new Bible study, When You Pray. So we've, we've saved some of the best for last, haven't we? <laughs> yes. We have two people on the podcast today, like we've done for the past few episodes. Today, we have Kelly Minter and Jennifer Rothschild. Hello. We are so happy to be here, and I'm happy to be anywhere Kelly Minter and Kelly King are. And you, Elizabeth, right? <laughs> yes. Double yeah, Kelly. say the same thing. I've been, I've been on the road with Jennifer back in, in uh, you know, for quite several events and I I just I miss that I miss that team. We we had a lot of fun together in all kinds of places. We sure did. So it's fun to be back together here. Yes. Well y'all have both been on the podcast before, but just give us an update about your lives, your ministries, what's going on with the two of you. So Jennifer, you can start first. Oh, I start. I was going to say I wanted to hear about Kelly's because I know oh. she's been to the Amazon, but I yes. will start. We'll hear from okay. her next. Yeah. All right. Um so ministry. I just did the Amos Bible study, just released a while back, an invitation to the good life. And I'm loving, I'm just loving hearing how women are responding to that because I love making Amos famous. I have a crush on the minor prophets. Um, but if I have new friends out there, I'm married. I've got two sons. Uh, they were born 10 years apart. I've got three grandchildren and they are boys, but big news. 
a baby girl is coming in July. What? News. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I'm excited. Um, and other than that, I love just doing life with my people and I'm grateful for all the Lord is constantly teaching me. That's exciting, Jennifer. That's awesome. You've got oh, a little baby grand girl. child, little girl coming, which is so exciting. And I only have to can tell you that I saw a snake in the Amazon last week. So <laughs> it's like um, you're getting grandchildren. I'm getting tree boas, apparently. But um, no, I yes, I, I did just get back from the Amazon with Justice and Mercy International. We had one of our annual jungle pastors conferences there where 115 um, men and women come and it's just incredible. And it it always reminds me of how thin the veil is between heaven and earth. And these men and women live as though that veil is very thin and they they really live in the reality of the presence of the Lord and his kingdom here. So I always feel very encouraged when I come back. But uh, yeah, we were we had a meeting uh, during one of the days. It was at night and about 45 minutes into the meeting, somebody looked up and what we thought was a wire was actually a five and a half foot boa constrictor oh <laughs> up, uh, coiled around the top of this beam above us. So it was something else. But um, anyway, so that was the Amazon. But I am, let's see, right now I'm home, which is amazing. I'm so thankful. I think Jennifer and I talk a lot about this when we're on the road together is how much we love what we get to do on the road because I really do and I wouldn't want to give it up. But being on the road makes me also love my house and my home and my friends and family even more. So I am. I have people coming over tonight. It's my cousin's birthday party. I made a bolognese pasta. If you guys know me, you know I love cooking. I love having family and friends over. That is by far the highlight for me is to be home on a weekend and make a meal for people. Um, so that's some of what's going on. Still writing Bible studies, traveling, speaking, teaching, and um also super excited about a devotional that I just got to release with, with Lifeway, with B&H, called The Blessed Life on the Sermon on the Mount and the 10 Miracles that Follow. So really excited about that and just generally feeling in a good spot, which, again, we all, we all talk about. We don't take those seasons lightly or for granted. We just say, we say, Lord, thank you for this good season. So, Yeah. I know I, I have been traveling for the last nine days and it has been constant, but I've been reminded of just the joy and the privilege it is that we can travel because we weren't traveling for a while. So uh, I have to look at it and go, hey, we're at least getting to be together and doing these events, which we were able to do last um it was kind of toward the end of summer uh, when we did when we recorded the sessions for When You Pray, and both of you have been involved in the new study that's that is releasing on When You Pray. So, um, Kelly, I'll start with you. Tell us a little bit about the ses- session that you wrote for the Bible study, and then I'll have Jennifer talk about her session. Yeah, well, I had the opportunity to write on the Lord's Prayer out of uh, Matthew chapter six, which was really fun for me because I had spent all this time in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount for the Blessed Life devotional. So it was kind of a natural connection for me. And really, the Lord's Prayer, a lot of times people will refer to that as actually the disciples' prayer, which 
in some ways could be more accurate because Jesus tells us, pray like this. And then he tells us what to pray. And I think one of the things that is so important about the Lord's Prayer is it starts with him. It starts with him. It starts with his kingdom. It starts with his will. It starts with his reign and his rule. And I don't know who is like me out there, but I came into this world with a very, very strong sense of my reign and my rule and my world and my kingdom. And um, that has been a painful death to self over the years, but I now find it incredibly freeing. And in fact, just even this morning, having time with the Lord to start and say, Lord, this is about you. Life is about your kingdom. Life is about, um, it's found in you, your creator. And, and Oddly enough, when I feel like when we come into that in the Lord's Prayer, we actually find him even more relevant and practical and near in our own lives. It, 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 it doesn't make him less it doesn't make him less relevant to our lives. It makes him more so. So um, it's freeing to just kind of have that adjustment every morning and just to start and say, I, I am not God. <laughs> You know, this is about you. Um, you come and have your way. So that's just, that's a tiny bit about that section. Oof, that's good. And it, I got to hear Kelly teach on it and it was so good. And that was what I took away. I love your comment, Kelly, about I came in with a strong sense of my world and my kingdom. I think all of us did. <laughs> all of us did. So that's really a good word. <laughs> yeah. Jennifer, talk about your session is probably a harder session and it's one yeah. that we don't often talk about in prayer, but yet um, everybody is talking about your session. Some of the people at Lifeway are just saying, wow, it was oh, amazing. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. It was so moving. Um, sorry, I'm answering. It's not even my question. I just, but I just have to, I have to affirm that, that, that there was one of, that was one of those special moments where you could mm. sense the Holy Spirit just really in our midst. Well, I think the reason it's talked about is not because it was anything grand or significant, but because it's something like you mentioned, Kelly King, that we don't talk about a lot. But every one of us have the ache in our heart to do it. And it is the prayers of lament. So like if this was the hundred acre wood, you know, with Winnie and Tigger, Kelly's would have been Tigger. Mine is the Eeyore prayer. <laughs> or at least it has that bad reputation. So I do love the fact that we got to study this together and we will in When You Pray because it rebrands it. Um, so what lament is, sometimes we think it's just complaining and moaning and, you know, um, doing just this sad complaining list to God. But actually, lament is a very safe place and a very sacred place in prayer where you can process your pain in the presence of the Lord. And I love that because God um, gives us examples of how to do it. And so like I focus a lot on Psalm 13 and in my actual video teaching, that's what I went through is Psalm 13. And if you really looked at the Psalms, you'd see that actually a third of all those Psalms are Psalms of lament. I mean, it's like the ache of our soul. And isn't God kind that he says, I get it. I am not unacquainted with your suffering. Now, here's a pathway to process all that pain in my presence. And I even talk about in my session in the book that actually when we learn to lament, it it does what I call, um, it prevents soul cement. In other words, you don't get stuck in all those difficult negative emotions because God gives you a place to process it. And so the beautiful thing about it is you get to tell God um, that you trust him. You get to tell him how you feel. 
wheel. You get to tell him what you need, but ultimately then you get to confirm who he is through worship. And I think it's beautiful that even our tears can be an act of worship. I love that. And I feel like, especially with the way that our world is and has been for the past several years, I mean, always, but especially I think lament and grief has come to the forefront of everyone's minds. And so, um, I think it's so helpful and so uh, encouraging that the Bible gives us this pathway to do it and that you taught on that. I think a lot of people are are looking for a way to lament and to go to God with these very, very deep hurts and grief that they have. And so I'm so glad that we're talking about it because I do think it's something that we need to practice more as believers and learn from. And we have yeah, a whole scripture. of Lamentations, right? Yes, yes. (laughs) Which is amazing. And, you know, I think for me personally, like that's one of the things I would hesitate in prayer to do because I thought, oh, I don't want to bother God or I don't want to be selfish or I don't want to be indulgent or or um, I don't want to unearth something that I can't like put back or feel something I can't fix, you know, all that complicated stuff when you're dealing with emotions. But the beautiful thing is that's not the point of lament. I mean, the lament allows us to be cathartic and, you know, let pour it all out to God. But ultimately that's not the point. It, It helps our mental health, but the point is not our mental health. The point is affirming the character of God. And when we really get a right sized picture of God, then it does help right size all that we're feeling. And, you know, I just, I think it's beautiful and none of that would exist outside. Like what Kelly's teaching on the authority of God, that it is his kingdom, his work, his will in all of us. Yes. Well, Kelly, let's talk a little bit more about you talked about celebrating the goodness of God and how he cares for his children. So how is that seen in the Lord's prayer? And then why is it important for us to remember his goodness and to actually celebrate it in prayer? I feel like that's another aspect on the other end of the emotional spectrum that we don't do as often as we probably should. Mm-hmm. Well, I think for one thing, you if you take the Lord's prayer in the context of Jesus' whole sermon, you also get in Matthew chapter seven, where Jesus says, ask, um, you know, those who ask will receive, those who seek will find, those who knock, the door will be open. And then he gives this little parable. He says, you know, which of you, if your son came and asked for a loaf of bread, who would give him a stone? And which of you, if your, if your little child came running up and asked for a fish, who would give him a snake? And he says, you would never do that. And, and this crowd that Jesus is speaking to, he's like, you're sinful. You know, you're not, even a, you're not even like a holy crowd here. You know, you're, you have a sin nature. How much more um, does your heavenly father delight to give good gifts to those who ask? And also Luke says the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And so in the context of the Lord's Prayer, when, or when you put the Lord's Prayer in the context of all of the Sermon on the Mount, we really see that we have a good father. And, and that was one of the things that I kind of started with on the teaching through the Lord's Prayer, because one of the things that I think we struggle with is, is God good? And and so we we struggle with the Lord's Prayer because do we want the kingdom to come from a God who we don't really think is good or who has a good kingdom? Do we want his will to be done if we don't really trust him? So there's a lot in the Sermon on the Mount about the goodness of God, about the, the, the care that the Father brings for his children and how we can rest. 
I also think that links, though, to what Jennifer was talking about and lament. And, and I don't know if this is the case for everybody, but I feel like for me, one of the reasons why lament sometimes has been a struggle for me is because God is the one that can prevent our pain. So I can complain all day or lament all day to my friend. Why is it like this? Why is, but but they can't they can't do anything about it. God is the one that we know because he's powerful, because he's good, that he could fix this disease or fix this problem or heal this or and so we I, I we struggle there sometimes and and yet at the same time I love what um Jennifer was saying that um that it that lament when we come to the Lord it is this this intimate uh where we don't understand everything but we say but I trust you because I believe that you are good and there's this intimacy so I think that the lament and the celebration a lot of times you can go in and out of them and they can connect. But I, but I, I think we have to start with the premise of God's goodness. And, and that is where the Lord um, starts us, that because he is good, we can pray for his will to be done. And then I love how, um, just for our specific needs to be met, how it goes from us praying about the kingdom and these huge things and God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. But then it drops to, but just give us our daily bread. And... And there were some of the, um, I can't remember if it was the, ref- yeah, I think it was the reformers. So there were some that really thought that Jesus was talking about communion bread because they didn't think that he could make such a leap from the massiveness of the kingdom to something as, as simple as one person's daily bread. But it was some of the reformers that said, absolutely, he's talking about our physical needs because that is the beauty of how the Lord condescends to us that we can pray for big kingdom things, but we can also come and say, Lord, but also I, I need to be able to eat today. I need these basic necessities met. And, and so we see that as well, which I think is, is really cool in the Lord's prayer. There's a lot of layers to it. Yeah. I love how you talk about like the goodness of God and that's why we can trust him. And that whole, I've never thought about the kingdom. We don't want the kingdom unless it's a good one. Um, And so I I think that's so important, and it's one of those things that we often, I think, don't think about consciously, about how, like, we want God to be good. And so, um, and that's the only way we can trust Him, is to know that He's good, and that He is wise, and that He loves us, and He's all-powerful. So those, like, four things combined, like, make Him a God that we can trust. And I think that's um, that's so good to bring that up. Which really does connect to the question we want to ask you, Jennifer, and Kelly kind of alluded to this, that, you know, how do we celebrate the goodness of God and lament? I mean, you've had times in your life where you probably have said, um, I'm still blind here, God, and you could like do something here, but you've, you understand that even in lament, we can celebrate. So explain that to people. Mm. Well, I know for me, it was many, many years and many Bible studies ago that I had to really face this hard. I was writing the Missing Pieces Bible study, which is, you know, these big six questions of uh, faith. And one of them was, yeah, God, if you can, why won't you? And so I know for me, God just brought me to this place where I had to, I had to decouple this concept of how I feel and who God is. So Jesus said, 
God said to Moses, I am. So when I began to really look, okay, that's who he is. He is I am. He is not I feel. So no matter how I feel, I can't assign my perception to his character. And when I had to, by faith, just accept that character. Okay, so... And I do believe he is good. I do believe he is good. So here's the thing. When you lament, um, you are allowed, as I, I, you know, if you read Psalm 13, the psalmist is basically saying, how long, O Lord, will you hide your face from me forever? What is he saying? You abandoned me, God, or I feel abandoned. So the psalmist is being honest. And I think if you're going to be honest in worship, you have to be honest with your emotions. So well, that means we tell God how we feel, but then we move and on to saying, and here's what I need. I need you to enlighten my eyes. Otherwise I'm going to sleep the sleep of death. I mean, that's what David said in Psalm 13. I need this from you, God, trusting that he is the one who will provide those needs. But then the coolest thing that helps me is that the very end of Psalm 13 verses five and six, the psalmist goes from all that tumult of the emotion and he, and it like it triumphs into this crescendo of praise. And he said, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your deliverance or your salvation. I will sing unto the Lord. So if you look at the vocabulary at the end of his Psalm of Lament, it's very different. It's I will statements, whereas he starts with I feel statements. And so I think this is the hardest part of lament and maybe even our faith in general, that there is a difference between emotion and volition. And sometimes, no matter how we feel, we do trust the grace of God within us and the power of Christ within us to align our will with his will. And it is his will that we trust him. It is his will that we praise. And so sometimes out of sheer trusting his will, we do what we're supposed to do. We move from emotion to volition. And I really do believe that sometimes God honors us for that choice that our emotion begins to simmer and change when we act according to God's will. So good. Yeah, I think um, I've said this before on this podcast several times, but I read through the book of Psalms with some college girls at my church and I said to them, I was like, there, there's some weird psalms in here. Like, there's some gnashing of teeth and things like that. Um, but there's also, like, the very, very, like, I'm distraught. Why is this happening to me? And we see it, like Kelly said, in the book of Lamentations. Like, we, in the most famous chapter three, where he's just like, I just wish I wasn't even born. Like, I wish I had never even been born. But then... Almost always they have that turn, like you were describing, where it's like, but this is who, this is the God I worship, and this is how I can still have hope in the midst of these very, very hard times. Um, and so I was always just like, look for that turn, look for that turn where it turns lament into praise, like literally, that's what's happening. So I think it's uh, it's such a good practice for us to think through as we pray prayers of lament, like how can we see the goodness of God, even in the midst of these circumstances. And we're called to both lament and praise. And so I think that's. I love what Jennifer said. Of, he is, I am not, I feel right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. That's a, that's mm -hmm. a, that's a quote we could use. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll <Yeah>. mark that. <laughs> oh yeah. And the decoupling of, of what we feel versus who God is. That is huge. Um, it's so well, important. You know, though, Elizabeth, you mentioned it too. I mean, 
it's this idea of trust. And it goes back to what Kelly Minter said about knowing God is good. It's like trust is that hinge that swings you from the pain and processing of lament to the praise that comes even without the answer, even without the understanding. I mean, Habakkuk, in the book of Habakkuk, he's got a ton of lament going on. He begins the book with, how long, O oh Lord, are you going to make me look on evil, you know? But then he ends in chapter three with this beautiful psalm, and it's an affirmation where he's saying, okay, though the, you know, the, the olive crop fails, though the fig doesn't blossom, though there's no cows in the stall, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He then says, yet will I praise him and I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. So what did he do? The same thing. He says, I don't understand. This is how I feel. This is what I need. But you know what? Either way, no matter what, like Job would do, (laughs) though you slay me, I will praise you. Though it all goes south, I'm going to lift up my eyes and I'm going to praise. And I think we've got so many biblical examples. And I know for me, when I'm at my lowest, y'all, I cannot conjure the wherewithal spiritually or emotionally to pull it off. And to do the right thing and to say the right thing. And that is literally when I open scripture and I'm like, okay, Lord, what he said, <laughs> what he said, I'm, I'm saying what he said, and I'm trusting you that your word does not return void. And as I pray it back to you, I know you will complete what it was intended to accomplish. Yeah. Well, to shift a little bit, um, you both talk about community in prayer and praying together, along with praying out loud. And that's something that we see through the Bible as well. Um, what encouragement would you have for women who are maybe hesitant to pray out loud or in community? Um, they may be intimidated by that. Sometimes we can accidentally intimidate people um, with praying out loud. So what encouragement would you have for those women? Kelly, we can start with you. Yeah, so I... I have had firsthand experience with how powerful the praying out loud thing is, especially for those who have never done it before. And the reason I say that is because there were several events that I was a part of where we actually asked women to get into small groups at their events and just to kind of turn in small groups and to 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 pray out loud. And I would say, look, if you are not a prayer out louder kind of person, We understand there's going to be people in the group that will carry that, but I want to encourage you, even if you've never done that before, to just take that step. And I cannot even tell you, I even had women come up to me who were in their 80s and say, I've never prayed out loud in a group. And that was the most freeing, that was so freeing for me. That was so helpful. And I think that there is a real, um, there's, there's something that goes beyond just the words and the voice that happens when we pray out loud with others. And I think it goes back to the fact that even the Lord's prayer is a communal prayer. He says, our Father who is in heaven, um, hallowed be your name. You know, your kingdom come, your will be done. And then it says, give us our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation. Um, it is a communal prayer. It doesn't mean that we can't pray it by ourselves. But one thing that I think is missing um, in, in more modern day evangelicalism, uh, perhaps an unintended um, um, fall out from some other good things in history. But at any rate, we've tended to make our faith very individual and, and it's not, it's not meant to be that. And it doesn't mean we must have an individual faith. We must have an individual relationship with Christ, but it's not meant to end there. And just as we see the father, son, and Holy spirit in relational communion with one another in the Trinity, we see this played, this relationships played out in, in the community of the church. And so we really need to be 
corporately praying. And for those who have never prayed out loud, the beauty is there there's no right way to do it or wrong way to do it. I think you just, just the fact that you are um, coming before the Lord and you're willing to put yourself out there, uh, as long as you come reverently and in honor of the King of Kings, that's, that's the only requirement. I don't think there's any other requirement that I can think of as far as just putting yourself out. And as long as you are praying, you know, in Jesus' name to the God of gods, the only God that there is, then to me, it's like, there's no way, wrong way to do it. And it, there is something very powerful that happens that I can't explain, but that I've, I've seen over and over. Agree. Totally agree. And, you know, I, I, I think of, uh, you know, it's my whole Christian history. Um, I grew up in the church, so I was surrounded by people who prayed. And here's what happens unintentionally. We think, oh, that's how you do it. Oh, wow. They sound like they're close to God because, wow, they're so eloquent. And we become, um, uh, we get the wrong framework for what it is. And so I guess if someone, because I agree with you, Kelly Minter, that um, we are designed to pray in community. We're designed to do everything in community. <laughs> we really are, including prayer. So if you are one who really is intimidated and you're like, but every time they say, let's pray, like my palms begin to sweat and I get shortness of breath. Dude, I get it. You got some anxiety over prayer. So that right there is an, is a, indication um, that the enemy is messing with you. And it also might be an invitation that God is inviting you to overcome that fear. And so perhaps all you need to do at that moment is imagine that no one else is there. And it's just you and God, because technically you are just talking to God. You're not talking to those people. You're not doing a presentation. You're talking to to God. And so if you can even just kind of pause and just say, okay, Lord, this is you and me. Who cares what anyone else thinks? You are speaking to God. And like Kelly said, there's no rules. There's no formula. And everybody prays according to their personality and their relationship with God. And your personality and your relationship with God is unique to everyone else's. So I think if you can just relax and be you, I think it really helps. I mean, I've just learned sometimes when I pray, sometimes it's just a phrase. And sometimes it's like, okay, that's enough, Jennifer. You know what I mean? (laughs) So it all depends on just, you know, what's going on because I'm just talking to him. I'm not talking to everyone else. Yeah, I love that. We joke on our team sometimes because I tend to be very succinct in my prayers out loud um, because I'm mostly a succinct person. And so uh, we joke that if we're running late, we need to just ask Elizabeth to pray because I'll I'll pray quickly. (laughs) But um, yeah, I love that you said that your personality goes into it because I think I think we mean to be encouraging by telling some women that they are great prayers, but what that signals to other people is that they're not as good at praying. And it's all about like your personality and the giftings that God has given you. And um, it has nothing to do with what is one is better and one is not. It's just that's how you talk to your friends. So, yeah, I think um, I think that's a great encouragement to people. I still remember inviting someone to a Bible study, and I ended our time praying, and I didn't think anything about it. And she she was, I mean, she kind of came from a background where prayer was very structured, very kind of rote in a lot of ways. And she made a comment to someone. She said, when Kelly prayed, it seemed like it was just her talking to you know, God. And I was like, well, that is what it is, you know, but I I think sometimes we forget that, that aspect. Yeah. Yeah. We do. But 
Go ahead, Jennifer. Well, I was just thinking when you said that, because one of the things that I do, Kelly King, is um, I have started recently reading prayers. Like I will sometimes, when my head is so scattered, and this is not in communal prayer, this is just me, I will literally pull out a prayer, like the Puritan's prayers or whatever, and I will literally pray that to the Lord, because that also helps me. So it's interesting. There are some people who love the liturgy, and that's exactly what they should pull out and pray if that helps them in the way they relate to God, you know? I think that's, and even just praying scripture back to the Lord, right? I mean, we look at the Psalms and it really is meant to be the scripture that we pray back to him that he gave to us. So yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you, you guys have both been on this podcast, you know, our question about being marked, but we're going to do a little twist. So Jennifer, I'm going to start with you. How has prayer marked to you? That is, uh, so here's the interesting thing. I probably, Jennifer's going first. I know, right? I probably have no idea because I think what would the lack of prayer done to mark me? So, you know, I think of Paul in uh, 2 Corinthians 15, where he says, it is by God's grace that I am what I am. I'm not quite sure how prayer has marked me, but I do know this. Prayer for me has given me a sense of security it's given me a sense of feeling um, like connected to God, like like never am I ever really totally alone. And one of the weird things about blindness is I can be uh, surrounded by people and I have a heightened sense of aloneness because I can't see anything. So there's an isolation that always follows me around. And there's something about prayer that reminds me of the nearness of God and makes me feel like I have a sense of place. That's good. How about you, Kelly? Um, I would, I mean, I agree with Jennifer. I, who, how do we know? I mean, how do we know how it's marked us? But I I hope that it has marked me um, by making me softer than I would be. And I think that it's hard to, it's hard to come out of prayer. Maybe it's impossible to come out of true prayer, hard, arrogant, bitter, critical, angry, controlling. You know, I mean, it's like those things have a hard time surviving. I think prayer. And so um, I think, I hope that it's marked me in a softer way. And I think that that comes back to that whole idea of like, Lord, this is about you. This is about your kingdom. This is about your will. And thank goodness that you love me and that you care for me and that my needs matter to you and that you don't want to lead me into temptation and that you you do want to deliver me from the evil one and that you are going to provide for my needs. Thank you for all of those specific personal things. But also let me remember that that this is about you and your glory ultimately. And I think when that is, I think when we've really had those prayers and we've gotten right with the Lord, that it creates a softness in, in us. Ooh, drop the mic. That was awesome, I know, Kelly. I know. That awesome. was good. That was good. Uh, well, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Jennifer Kelly, we love your Bible studies. We love that you get to be part of Life Women Live events, and we're super excited about this new Bible study. So we want to encourage our listeners to make sure that you check out When You Pray, and there's going to be a lot of fun things that you can do with that. So you definitely want to check this out. So thanks, Jennifer. Thanks, Kelly. Thank hey, you, guys. Thank you all so much. Love you. Awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, listeners, we will see you back here next week and have a great week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heineman. Use the hashtag marked podcast to connect with us. 
You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at lifewaywomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time. Home should be a place where we feel at peace, where we can be ourselves, where we feel loved. For a lot of us, though, home is a place of heartache, hurt, and loneliness. As believers, Christ promises us an eternal home. But what does that actually look like? And how do we deal with our current homesickness? I recently wrote a Bible study called Come Home for Women, and I'm so excited that Come Home will also be available for teen girls. It's perfect for small groups, helps girls answer important questions, and gives us a richer understanding of what kind of home God's building for us. The release date for Come Home for teen girls is August 1st, but you can pre-order it now at lifeway.com slash come home. Don't miss out on this opportunity to help girls belong and be loved. Again, you can pre-order it today at lifeway.com slash come home.